harvesting place where you can bring people in from all over right. and they can hear about Jesus. They can have their life changed. Man, living in the day we live, people are looking for the answers that you have. You, you carry it with you everywhere you go. I don't know how people live with what's going on in the world that don't know Jesus. We're very, very, very blessed that we've uh, been, been taught the word over the years. And coming into this church, I think of your, your taproot and your, your heritage and your thread is, is word and spirit. And uh, it, all it does is produces peace and joy and victory. And I know people wonder why we're happy. It's because we're, we're saved. Amen. It, in his presence is fullness of sadness. No, fullness of joy. You know, I hear people go, well, I'm a real prayer. No, you're not. You'd be happy. Come on. You, you, you can't help but be happy when you're around the Lord. Come on. So what a time, you know, uh, I, I gosh, I think that bio must be old because it seems like every invitation in the last 15 years is on end times. And I'm going to get into end times today because I would go preach it overseas in the Bible schools for 20 something years because they couldn't get Hilton Sutton or whoever. So they'd send crazy Uncle Joe. <laughs> so, you know, once you get into it, you have to have all this word because you'll do question and answers. And they'll go, well, you said so and so. And I said, no, 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 the Bible says so and so. So we're, we'll be strictly uh, looking at the word today about how near we are to the coming of the Lord because the Bible is so specific about it and so exact about it. It's so cool. You have more verses about right now than any other time in history. You've got the Word of God coming to pass in front of your eyes. We should be shouting more than we've ever shouted. We should be happier than we've ever been. So it's a, a really a radical time to, to really call it Bible days. So we're blessed. We were in uh, Pittsburgh uh, yesterday. We were in Boston the week before. Uh, Grosbeck, Texas. Uh, Colleen and I are on the road all the time. So uh, we're, we're blessed. You see people uh, awakening to the fact that this is it. Amen. This is our window. And we'll get into some things today that show us how near we are. But it's all good news. I mean, for the, for the world, it's scary, but for the church, it's all good news. We do conferences, and people go, well, I was afraid to come to the conference about end times. Uh, there's nothing but good news for us. He said, don't be troubled, don't be deceived. I would not have you to sorrow as others that have no hope, and they want you comforted. You're living in the time when there's not as much hunger. We used to stand in line, think about Bible school, in the sleet. You talk about that now. We'd stand in line for hours because we were so hungry. And here, in the climate that we're in right now, you're here on Sunday morning. So you're telling the Lord you love Him. So you've pushed through that and said, you know what, I'm going to go to church. So he wants to strengthen you. He wants to help you. He wants to really literally rekindle all the messages you've heard over the years so that you'll walk in the fullness of what he's given you. And right now, coming into this church, I know you guys, so I don't have to backpedal for hours to get to the platform because you already know you're complete in him. He's already presented you holy, unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. He's not mad at you, not frustrated with you. He loves you. So let's get into the word today and I'll uh, I'll, we'll show some photos of the Antichrist here toward the end. I'm just kidding. No, we won't do that. Don't you watch those guys on TV, the most shocking photos of the Antichrist. And man, people love that stuff. So no, we won't have anything weird. We'll have Bible. We'll have Bible about the coming of the Lord. And as we get into it, it's a a thought pattern to look at the finish line. You run faster, not slower. You hustle. You, you get a two-minute warning mentality. You mean football teams, you, you, when two-minute warning sounds, you think differently. You practice for that time. So it, all, everything else is put aside. You don't whine when you get to the huddle. You Think about getting to the huddle and two minutes left, your knees are hurting, your back's hurting. No, you don't talk about that. We've got to score. That's got to get into the church that this is our hour to hustle. We don't fit church into our life. It is our life. Well, thanks, buddy. I'll come preach to you. So what happens is, amen. Let's pray and we'll get right into the word. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for what you've given Heart of the Bay Christian Center over the years. Thank you for Pastor Mark and Brenda, their life, their, uh, all the years that they've sown for you, Father. We thank you for this, this church. Great grace upon this church, Lord. And in these last days, I thank you for a flourishing of the will of God for every person in this room, Lord. We thank you for uh, our hearts are open to what you have for us, Father. And I ask you, Father, for a 
heightened awareness of your plans and purposes, a heightened awareness of the Lordship of Jesus, that we'd walk in the full measure of what you left us 2,000 years ago. And Father, all the dreams and plans that you've given us over the years, we thank you for a fulfillment of all these things in our heart right here before we're caught up. We thank you for this season that we get to walk with you and demonstrate the resurrection. Lord, we look forward to two weeks celebrating that you came out of the grave. We thank you for a great service here in a couple of weeks of souls being swept into the kingdom. And Father, we thank you for uh, the, the, the thought pattern of your return. Help us. Help us comprehend how near we are to you coming back to the earth. And Lord, we know as we, we get into your verses today, you will be magnified. You will be lifted up. You will be exalted. We'll leave with more of a reverence for you, Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. Turn, turn, if you would, to Second Peter, and we'll start here. This is how radical of a season we live in. We were in a, a Connecticut, in, uh, not Hart, yeah, Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, I was preaching along at the end of the service. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3 or 2, I think. We'll, we'll see which one we go to here. We'll pick out one. Go to chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. We were preaching in Hartford, and I had a word of knowledge at the end. I said, there's somebody here you got damage in your thyroid. They actually want to put a needle in your thyroid and wake it up, and, and the Lord's healing your back. And I was in a hurry because I'd preached so long. Because uh, you know, I, I try to preach short so people will come back. Remember John Osteen said he who preaches short should be heard again. Yeah. So, so I, I try to keep it where people want to come back. But at the end I was in a hurry. I said, okay, your back's healed, your thyroid's healed. Just call it out. I said, don't even come down because I'm in a hurry. This young man walked up to me afterwards. He goes, hey, 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 that's me, that's me. He goes, hey, they want to put a needle on my thyroid. And I felt that go down in my back. I said, well, man, glad you came. Jesus redeemed you. Uh, it's good to walk in what he paid for. Might as well enjoy it. I said, we'll see you tomorrow. Came back the next night. His girlfriend walked up to him and said, you don't understand about my boyfriend. Last night, the whole time you're preaching, he was saying about me, he's a con man. He's a con man. He's a con man. So he, he, he doesn't like me, doesn't like my preaching, still gets healed. I'm telling you, it's just a great, the goodness of God is amazing. We're, we're in Craig, Colorado, 22 below zero, too cold to live. But anyway, they had, they had heaters on the engine, so you start your car. And while I was preaching, I felt like someone wanted to kill me. It felt weird. You can just kind of sense that because sometimes you say something that might be a little radical, you know, whatever, as a traveling guy. Pastor's office exudes decency. Traveling guy exudes urgency. So I might have been too urgent. I don't know. So I felt like somebody wanted to kill me. I had a word of knowledge at the end. I said, it's like someone got shot in the eye. The Lord wants to heal you. Oftentimes I'll wait and sometimes even sit down and wait for people. But I was in a hurry. I said, you know, you're healed, whatever. And uh, I still had that feeling somebody wanted to kill me. Colleen and I went down to the lobby of the hotel that afternoon. We got back to the hotel. And I'm sitting there. We're getting a cup of coffee. And this guy walks up to me and goes, hey, I was coming to the service tonight to kill you. I said, would you like some coffee? Praise the Lord. <laughs> he, goes, no. he goes, no, I was coming to kill you. He said, I'm the guy that got shot in the eye. He said, I didn't come down to get healed, but this, this heat came down over me. Got my eye healed and asked the Lord to come into my heart. So, so he, he doesn't like me, wants to come kill me and still gets healed. So I'm telling you, God just wants to, he wants to way go beyond the boundaries. So he sets your life up for the hour we live. The investment of the word and the spirit, you're, you're set up. Daniel's already prophesied about you. He saw you. He said you would be strong. You'd know your God. Amen. And you would do exploits. Yeah. So isn't that wonderful to have the Lord tell you what you're supposed to look like? We know God. We're strong. So let's get into some things that set us up for the, the coming of the Lord. Uh, think about this. For every time the Bible talks about the first coming, seven times more about the second coming. Paul talks about the baptism 12 times, coming of the Lord 52 times. It's the theme of the book. In the days gone by, we got in this when we were kids. We went to church every night. Uh, my pastor in California, he said, I had a drug problem. Uh, my mom drugged me to church. 
so, you know, 1970 through maybe 1980, maybe 70 through 75, you're in church every night. And, and everything, the thing was the Lord's coming back. My mom used to scare me. Hey, the rapture's going to happen tonight. Well, it scared me so bad, I went tonight going, Lord, I love you. So you can either respond haughty or humble. So, so the, the thought pattern of the coming of the Lord is to get us in position so that we surrender our life to do what we're called to do. And really, it, it's to push us a little bit to go, hey, we only have a little sliver of time left, so let's, let's go for it. So let's get into the verses that show us. Go to Second Peter chapter uh, 3, I believe it is, and we'll start here. He said, this second epistle, uh, for, chapter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Notice the tone in the epistles. He calls you his beloved. You don't get your end time doctrine from the gospels. The, the gospels are wonderful, but they're all second coming doctrine. They're not rapture doctrine. So if you try to get your coming of the Lord doctrine from the Gospels, you'll feel like you don't qualify. Because he's talking to boys that don't qualify. Remember he said, pray that you might be accounted worthy and stand before the Son of Man. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. It has nothing to do with what I've done. It has everything to do with what he's done. Remember, as he is, so are we in this world. So here he caught, notice the tone, beloved. So he goes down to verse number two, that you'd be mindful of these words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I like this. He said the climate of the last days, you'd have a mentality of scoffing like, hey, we're, we're, we've been hearing that all of our lives, but we haven't seen it. And that's kind of crept into the church. Well, I've been hearing the the Lord's coming back all my life. He hadn't come back. Well, notice what the next verse says. The next verse talks about a little change that came. In next, I believe it's verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water. Basically, the flood came. When, when they said change is not coming, change came. To the point that they thought Noah was crazy, but God was so merciful, he, he had Enoch have a kid named Methuselah, and he was a timepiece, a walking timepiece for them. And how do you like to have a name saying, when I die, you all die. When I'm toast, you're toast. You know, how would you like to have a guy like that? I would have been checking on him. You got food? You feeling okay, buddy? You know, you, you got a cold? But you know what? He was a marker for them, a walking timepiece. The very year that Methuselah died, what happened? The flood came. So God, he's the longest living man ever. God held off the flood as long as he could. But change came when no one said a change is coming. They mocked Noah. He was warned of God. It's the Hebrew word, crematazio, to be divinely instructed. He's warned of God about the flood. He talks about the flood and preaches it. And they say, like, it ain't going to happen. But here we see it did happen. Without anybody believing in it, change came. What I don't like is all of a sudden Hollywood feels a change coming more than the church. Yeah. You got weird, when you got every movie about uh, vampires, zombies, or whatever, at the end of the world. Uh, they feel a change coming, don't know what it is, but we know what it is. The change is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming back to the planet. Yeah. Hallelujah. So he said the climate would be people would go, He ain't coming. Why? Because He is coming. And He said the last days. How do we know it's the last days? The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus spoke unto us in the last days. The Holy Spirit was poured out in the last days. So, man, that's a couple thousand years ago. So we're in the last of the last of the last days. So we're going to get into some things that push us because the consensus is you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. That's what I hear so much on TV. Well, of that day and that hour, no man knows. Well, well, he was talking to Jewish boys about the second coming. Because to you and I, he said, you are not in darkness because that day would overtake you as a thief. In fact, he rebuked them. He said, you can tell what the weather's going to be, but you don't know your hour, your visitation. 
So he wanted them to know what time it is. We're so sophisticated about the weather. He said, but, but know your hour, your visitation. To the point, they had a tribe in the Old Testament called the tribe of Issachar that all they did was keep up with what was going on. They, they knew the signs of the times to know what the children of Israel ought to do. Indicating if you don't know what time it is, you don't know how to respond. If you've got a couple minutes left, you hustle. If you've got a lot of time, you kind of relax. Well, this is the time that all the stuff you've heard, you operate in it. In other words, we didn't get fed all this food just to, to be so filled up. We, we've been fed all this so that we can function just like Jesus. In the Old Covenant, you had a prophet that would be a voice and a witness to prepare the earth for the first coming of the Lord. And today, you have the believer that you're to be a trumpet and a witness that he's coming back. I mean, we're so blessed, so blessed. I mean, think of Kenneth Hagin. Hang with me. In you know, 1917, Chain Wiseman uh, 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 flies, uh, I mean, uh, Allenby flies down into Jerusalem, delivers Jerusalem back to him. What happens in our life? Kenneth Hagin's born in, 19, in 1917. The Lord appears to his mother and tells him to name him John. She names him Kenneth. Don't you love that? The Lord tells you to go, hey, name your son John. I don't like that name. I'll name him Kenneth. I mean, how weird to tell God you, you don't like that name when you're going to name what you want to name but the Lord told his mother that he would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. Not everything, but a part. You know what Hagen means in the Hebrew? One to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. So you have Brother Hagen born in 1917, and you have Alan become right into Jerusalem in 1917. So we're living in days of destiny. Once we get into it, you start seeing the signs, and you go, man, I've got to respond. All this is not just happening for, for weird stuff. It's happening because Jesus is about to come back. In Iran, we'll get into all of it, but in Iran, you've got Jesus appearing to children all over the nation. Yeah. They'll come out and go, hey, Jesus just appeared to me. They'll tell their parents, but they won't tell their grandparents because their grandparents want to kill them. So we're living in a very unusual time. So we need to keep moving here. Go over to verse 17. Watch the warning here as we get into the word. Verse 17. You, therefore, I like this, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, he said, beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. He said the error of the wicked would make you fall from your own steadfastness. So hearing about the coming of the Lord is to keep you steadfast. Good. You can't fall from something if you don't have it in the first place. Well, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on. Start the car. I'll be right there. No. How, how can you fall from something if you hadn't already been there? So he's looking for steadfastness. He's looking for people that are not moved by how, what they see, not moved by how they feel. They're moved by the Word. That's right. I mean, I used to say this. I don't care if every preacher I ever knew went on TV and went crazy. I even say if Kenneth Hagin turned into a flaming crossdresser before he went on to the Lord, that wouldn't faze me. Because my faith is not some preacher. My faith is in the Word. Amen. Come on. My, my, my faith is not in what's going on in the world. My faith is in the Word. It's strong. It's stable. It never changes. It'll change you, though. The incorruptible seed. Come on, when it's sown, it grows up and it becomes. You, you can't kill it. Amen. So here he says, don't let the climate of the day make you fall from your own steadfastness. Because the climate is, I don't really believe that. It's a mocking type of mentality. Right. You know, and, and so as you get into that, you, know, you go, no, Lord, I trust you. Now hang with me just a second, a little bit. So if there's, every, if there's seven times more about the second coming, think about the first coming. Think about the prophecies of the first coming. Oh, born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah, preceded by a messenger, given away over 35 pieces of silver. The 35 pieces of silver were gone to buy a potter's field, gambled over his robe, buried in a rich man's tomb, pierced in his side, uh, had a crown of thorns, dark. The earth got dark when he was on, on the cross, raised from the dead. Out of those 17 prophecies, you know what the odds are of those coming to pass in one generation? 480 trillion times another 780 trillion. Wow. There's so many zeros in science. When it gets so many zeros, it's called absurd. Couldn't happen by chance. 
So look how flawless the first coming was. Think about seven times more of the second coming. So you've got God watching all over, over his word to perform it. So you can rest on this. So go over to Isaiah. Watch. Look at this. Look how precise God is. And man, we're going to get into some signs that have already happened. We'll get into about 20 really quick signs. And we'll get into signs. What happened this last week? What happened the week before? There's stuff happening every single week. We're blessed to get to watch the word come to pass right in front of our eyes. Go back to Isaiah. Go to 46, I believe it is. Isaiah chapter 46 or 45, or you just pick out a chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look at, look at Isaiah 46 for just a second. Look at verse number 9. Go back there with me for a minute. This is the coolest thing about end time preaching that really it just, just blesses you. Look at verse 9 of, of Isaiah 46. Remember the former things of old. I'm God. There's none else. I'm God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He said, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. I mean, Ezekiel prophesied the exact year Israel be made a nation. Daniel, God, Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come the first time. It's flawless. Listen to this. Listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible. This is really cool. This will bless you. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Meheliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Listen to the first ten names of the guys in the Bible. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death brings a despairing rest. He gives you the whole plan of redemption of the first ten names of guys in the Bible. He said, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. No other religion can do that. Amen. I mean, you, you want to get into it. Not one religion can tell you the future. This is how you can tell that our dad is God. Amen. A third of this book is future. And you're living when there's more verses coming to pass right in front of your eyes. So let's get into it. Skip over to Luke for a moment. And let's run through these. Let's look at the signs of the coming of the Lord. Now, these are signs of the second coming. Go to Luke 21. Let's look at the signs of the second coming because we know the rapture is signless, but we have all these signs of the second coming. Why? Just like when you're on the freeway, we were coming down. Uh, we flew into Sacramento as we're coming down. I knew how many miles it was. We got to a certain city. It said 25 miles to that. I didn't freak out and go, I'm never going to get there. I, I go, wow, I got about 25 minutes for the way I drive, about 20 minutes. Praise the Lord. So I'm getting near. The next thing says 15, minute, 15 miles. The next thing says 10 miles. I don't freak out. I know I'm getting closer to my destination. The signs show you how near you are to your destination. So, Because I've heard people go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. You can if you can read. But that went over real good. <laughs> But we'll look at these signs and let them show you how near we are. So look at Luke 21. Let's run through these. Luke chapter 21, verse 24. I know that you know this, but I want to get somewhere. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, or nations, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That's a pretty radical statement. Jesus said right there. He said, when you see Jerusalem on back, time's up. Now, it's pretty amazing, the flawlessness of this, because you don't want to get into too much of it. But Jesus cursed the fig tree because there was no fruit. The, the nation rejected him. Okay? So here, and 40 years after he went to the cross, one generation later, Jerusalem was overthrown in 70 A.D. So Jesus goes, hey, when you see Jerusalem, I'm back, time's up. That's pretty cool. I mean, everything revolves around Jerusalem. 
Last week, that's what the Palestinians said. We want the, the borders from the Six-Day War. In 1967, Jerusalem was won back. So everything goes back to the Six-Day War and when Jerusalem was won back. Because Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem won back, time's up. Think about it. If you, if you live west of Jerusalem... You read left to right. If you, re- you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything comes back to that piece of real estate. You can go up on the Temple Mount and there's flies everywhere. Because Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, he wants that spot where Jesus is going to reign. Oh, come on now. He, he reigns in us right now. Come on. Amen. But he wants that piece of real estate. It goes back to what is it in real estate? Location, location, location. Uh, Jerusalem's the deal. So Jesus says, that's a, such a bold statement. Let's get something to help us uh, prop that up a little bit because that is pretty radical. You see one thing happen, and we'll get into the Six-Day War here in a second, but look at verse 29. He goes down in verse 29. He says, he, looked, he spake to them a parable. What's a parable for? To help you understand what he had just said. Because what he had just said is pretty radical. So look at verse 29. He said, he spake to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. Now we know Israel's the fig tree. The nation budded in 1948. You look at all the trees, all the nations around it have changed. Iran was called Persia 100 years ago. So now everything's changed. So the fig tree budded. 1948, Israel's made a nation. The most radical miracle ever. They were scattered and regathered. What a miracle. God regathered them so he can court Israel for seven years. I mean, you think about it. It's just like Joseph. He's going to reveal himself to his brethren right at the very end. It's amazing. So go, look at the next verse there. He said in verse 30, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer a harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, or in the same manner, when you see these things, what things? Israel made a nation, Jerusalem won back. When you see those two events, you see these things, watch what he says here. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know. When you see these things come to pass, know. Not wonder, not sense. When you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now, that's pretty radical. All he said was the, that when you see Israel made a nation of Jerusalem, one back, you can know something. Remember uh, Kenneth Hagin prophesying years ago about a spirit of seeing and a spirit of knowing. Where'd that come from? That verse. Yeah. That when you see Israel made a nation of Jerusalem, one back, I like the word likewise. You know, uh, in Tulsa now, it's kind of brown. You know, there's no greenery. And with the tree, we started walking about two weeks ago and the trees were dormant. All of a sudden, it seemed like overnight they began to bud. And, I, I, and instantly people were out in their yards messing with their yards. So the, the budding trees indicated there's spring and summer's coming. I didn't see anybody go, hey, summer's not coming this year. You go, well, hello, the grass is turning green, the trees are budding. Nature's preaching to you there's a change coming. Just as bold as you are about summer coming after you see that, you can be just as bold about the kingdom coming. When you see Israel made a nation of Jerusalem one back, you can be just as bold. Not wondering, you can know. Now, the next verse is the kicker. He kind of, he's kind of bold here. Jesus is very bold. Look what he says here in verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. Wow, giddy up. Look at that. What generation? The one that sees Israel made a nation of Jerusalem one back. So whether we're comfortable with it or not, it's us. Because I've heard people go, I don't believe that. It don't matter. <laughs> I've heard people say, I don't believe it. Whatever. He's, gonna, he's so wonderful and so sweet to give us so many signs to the point the whole book of Revelation is really a left-behind book for people that hadn't gotten saved yet. Pretty much from chapter 4 on is a left-behind book. Like, the Jews are going to get that and go, here comes a seal opening, here comes a trumpet judgment, here comes a bowl judgment. Buckle up, here it comes. But we're so blessed that we are in a different dispensation in the church age where he's not mad at anybody. I mean, think of how weird it is. Germany killed six million Jews and prospered because God's not judging anybody right now. People think he is. They want to say God's judging America. Well, if he did, he's done a bad job. We're still alive. Look in the scriptures when God goes to judge and they're vaporized. You can't find them. Amen. 
That's why we, we have to be raptured so he can start dealing with the earth like old covenant time for seven years. He's going to defend Israel. It's pretty amazing. The plan and, and legalness of God is radical. So here, think about the six-day war when Jerusalem was won back. Watch how it starts looking kind of like Old Testament time. Remember the different miracles that happened in the Six-Day War? Because I want to get into the other signs, so just run with me mentally for a little bit. One of, the, one of the miracles was, remember the Egyptian army? 88 tanks came down against Israel. One Israeli guy said, you know what? I'm so outnumbered, this is stupid, but I'm going to go ahead and fire some shots anyway. He starts firing shells, you know. Next thing you know, the Egyptian commander gets out in the morning with a white flag. He goes, I'm here to surrender to the highest-ranking officer. The Israeli guy goes, highest-ranking officer, just me. He goes, oh, no, it's not just you. All night, the whole countryside's filled with tanks and men dressed in white on the front of the tanks. Well, you've been shelling us all night. And we can't take it. So the Egyptian army sees the whole countryside filled with tanks and surrenders to one Israeli soldier. It's called the Six Day War. Jerusalem was won back. There's mir- miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I preached about these guys and, and I've seen the videos now where they interview them and they, this is what they say. They go, we don't even believe in this stuff, but something happened. Yeah, something happened. It's, just, it's not just it's weird that one guy kills a whole regiment. And does it with the hand of God. Amen. So look at the divine intervention to get Jerusalem one back. There's many more miracles. You can, you can Google against all odds and watch them interview them. And this is what they say. We're secular. We still don't believe in this stuff. I'm like, dear Lord, how much more of a sign do you need that, that God did all these radical things? I mean, miracle after miracle. So here you've got these two events. So let's run through a lot of them. Here you've got Israel made a nation and Jerusalem one back. He said the group that sees those two will not pass away to all is fulfilled. So let's talk about some more. The next one would be the Hebrew language restored. Zephaniah said, right for the coming of the Lord, I'll restore to them a pure language. hundred years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew. Google it. When did that happen? Your lifetime. Because the Bible says, right before the coming of the Lord, He would do this. And our Father has done this. I mean, years ago, I was there, going to meet with Ariel Sharon. In 2001, I believe it was, I was nervous. You know, I'm a hillbilly from a small town in Louisiana. And I'm thinking, I'm getting ready to meet with the Prime Minister. This is crazy. I'm not ready for this. You know, the, the, the leather chairs were there, the black and white pictures. I'm going, what am I doing in this room meeting with this guy? And so I was nervous, you know. So I thought I'd get me a pencil with some Hebrew writing on it. I grabbed the pencil, and it was made in Iowa. I go, that's not cool. So, but as I'm standing there, I can hear them walking down the hall. They're speaking perfect Hebrew. I mean, every one of them. Because the Bible says, right before the coming of the Lord, he would do this. One guy, Eliyahu ben Yehuda, said, you know what? We're Hebrew here. Uh, he came up with new words for fountain pen and for airplane. said, we ought to speak Hebrew. Google it. The, no, never has there been a language lost ever and restored. When does it happen? Your lifetime. Because the Bible says what you'd see. So you've got Israel made a nation. Jerusalem won back. Hebrew language restored. The next one would be the Ethiopian Jews brought back. What a miracle. God said, you know what? Right before the coming of the Lord, I'll bring them back. 18,000 airlifted in one day. $30 million paid by an American man that was running from the law. He's a drug smuggler living in Europe trying to stay away from the American law. Does one good deed for the Jews and he's pardoned by our country. They put these C-130s in the air, flew them right down in, and you've got 18,000 airlifted. Wow. Chuck Roberts on Headline News said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Now, that exodus was pretty cool. So this eclipsed it because it happened in one day. You had ladies having babies on those planes, man. They said, what do we put on their birth certificate? Are they in Egypt? Were they in Ethiopia? Put airborne. Hallelujah. They just took a whole group of people and brought them back in one day. Wow. 
So you got Ethiopian Jews brought back because the Bible said, the Bible says right before the coming of the Lord, I'll do this. And he's done that. So you can keep going. You got more. You got the, the revival of the Roman Empire. The Bible said right before the coming of the Lord, he'd, he'd bring a, a platform for the Antichrist, revive Rome. Pretty amazing. The EU, United States of Europe. We have euros. We take back over. We go overseas. Last year, we're preaching in Geneva and Nice and uh, uh, Norway. It made me mad. They didn't even stamp my passport. You go from uh, Geneva down into Nice, it's just like one big country. You go to the you go to the, the head of the country in Brussels, Belgium. The building, it's where the the computer is, where the head of the government of the EU is. The building looks like the Tower of Babel. They don't even know it. It's got Nebuchadnezzar's markings all over it because it's revived Rome. It's that system that says, I don't need a God. I'll make my own way to the heavens. No, you won't. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. To the point you can go to the building and there's a molecule of iron magnified out in front of the building. Because Daniel saw iron and clay right before the coming of the Lord. And you had ISIS last week destroying the place where the Tower of Babel was. They were in Nimrod, tearing stuff up. That's, we'll get to stuff happening right now that connects the dots. Man, it's just, it's crazy what all's happening. Yeah. But we're blessed, aren't we? Yeah. So look at that next verse. Look at the next verse 34. I want, to get, I want to get back to the signs here in just a second. But look at the next verse. Verse 34. He said, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, and the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unawares. He said, You can be living when the greatest miracle happens. Israel made a nation. I mean, Hitler killed six million Jews right before they were gathered together as a nation. The devil thought, if I can just stop them from coming back. Six million killed. What was his book? Mein Kemp, My Struggle, Jihad. Same spirit. Putin quoted Hitler twice this last year. Wow. Going into Crimea, he said, it's the cradle of our religious society. That's what Hitler said about Czechoslovakia. Not one world leader said, hey, dude, you can't say that. You're, you're being Hitler right now. Pretty crazy when you start connecting the dots. But read that verse in the message. He said, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by, by shopping. You can get so... Well, that went over real good. But you, you can get so busy. I mean, all of our lives are so busy. Think about it. I mean, you're going to this practice, that... I mean, we're, everything is so busy that the sharp edge of your expectation can get dulled. What is that? You'd have an expectation that God will, will, will honor His Word everywhere you go. You can almost get dull to the fact that you're living right before the coming of the Lord. With all the signs happening. Let's go to some more. What's the next one? The next one would be the fertility of the land of Israel. hundred years ago, barren. Mark Twain, he said, the land is so desolate it will not support life. Wow. What's happened now, man? It's so prosperous and so blessed. You can look at it and go, something's up. You can get on the Golan Heights on the border of Syria and Israel. I used to go up there with my buddies, and I'd go, okay, now, you could see the border where Syria was. I'd go, now, do you guys sprinkle this and put Scott Super Turf Builder here? He goes, dude, we don't put any Scott Super Turf Builder. I mean, for my grass to look like this, i got to water it, i got to fertilize it, i got to take care of it. They do nothing to it, and it's lush green. You know how your grass needs nitrogen? The, the Scott's turf builder I get has like 28 nitrogen. I dump that nitrogen on there to get the grass to look green. This looks lush because God said, I'll make the dirt blessed. You can look at the line. You don't have to wonder where Syria is. You can look say, there's Syria right there. The dirt preaches for you. One guy, I remember I got this Fast Company magazine maybe four or five years ago, and on the cover was David Lauren, Ralph Lauren's son. It said, taking polo into the digital age. And there was an article in there about Israel's energy bonanza. They found more oil in Israel than all of Saudi Arabia. And they quoted Jim Spielman while we were at Ramah. I was at Ramah in 1980, and Jim Spielman said, they'll find oil in Israel. And he quoted these verses in Genesis. That secular magazine quoted this preacher and the verses from Genesis. So you've got the dirt preaching to you right now. Yeah. 
So you, you got you, you got nature preaching to you. Another one's predatory birds. Uh, several years ago, I'm watching the Animal Planet channel. And uh, I'm an ESPN kind of guy, golf channel. It used to be football, now it's golf. But uh, I'm watching the Animal Planet channel, an Israeli ornithologist. The only reason I know what an ornithologist is, my brother was an ornithologist, bird specialist. Went to college for nine years. My dad said, what did you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. Praise the Lord. <laughs> God made so many birds, you got to go to college for nine years. But anyway, this ornithologist said, we don't understand it. It's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever. 172 different species of predatory birds. Started gathering in the land of Israel four years ago. And she said, we don't understand it. I said, well, I understand it. Right after the rapture, you have the Ezekiel 38 war. He calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. About seven years later, at the end of the tribulation period, he calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up again. You've got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. You've got nature preaching with the dirt preaching. You've got birds showing. Google it. They don't understand it. They've got to eat something sometimes. So, so they're, they're in position. I mean, just as they thought Noah was crazy when the animals started showing up, something's happening. So you've got all these things happening right now. There, there's many more. You've got, you got the Temple Mount Institute. It's a group of people in the old city of Jerusalem that have been going to school for, for, for uh, literally 25 years, ready for sacrifices. They're ready to rebuild the temple. So right after we're raptured, they're going to start having a sacrifice. They're not even born again yet, but they've been moved by God to be in a position to go to school for 20 years just to start having sacrifices. they got the menorah. They have all the instruments. They found the oil of anointing just a few years ago. It was in uh, the, where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. It was the exact ingredients from the book of Leviticus. It's just crazy. So let's run over and look at some more. Go over to Matthew real quick. Go to Matthew 24. We're so blessed to be living when all this is happening. I want to get into a couple more things and then we'll get into what's happening right now. Matthew 24. Very familiar verses. How many are so glad you came? How many are glad you're here? You're not in jail. Come on. All right. Better be in church than jail. We're so privileged, though, to watch it come to pass. So watch what Jesus says here. Look at Matthew 24, verses that you've heard many times. But look at verse 1. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, when shall these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world, or really the end of the age in the Greek? And Jesus starts answering them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm Christ. Shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines. There'll be pestilence. There'll be earthquakes in diverse places. Look at verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. A better word for that is birth pains. Just like your daughter's going into contractions. When you start having contractions, everything revolves around that. In other words, here, look at Jesus' answer. This messes with me because I would say when you see the church walking in the glory of God and, and doing Elvis, you'll know that the Lord's about to come. In other words, when you see the church getting really radical, you'll know. But you see, he didn't talk about the church there. He started talking about the tribulation period. He said the tribulation the, the, from verse 9 to verse 22 is tribula- tribulation. Now, that would not be the answer I would give. But look how sweet the Lord is to go. It's going to be idiot proof during that seven years. You won't be able to miss it. If you're, if you're here, then we're going to be raptured and not be here. But I mean, during the tribulation, you're fishing, not catching much. Well, the water turned to blood. Hello. So he's answering their question. What's it going to look like? And he gives them there's a seven year period. that There's going to be so much stuff happening that you won't really be able to go. Well, I had no idea the Lord was about to come back. There's going to be sign after sign. After sign, after sign. Now, I don't need signs because I'm already saved. I have a witness in me. 
I'm giving you signs of the second coming, but I don't need any of them. I've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me going, hey, the Lord's coming back. Yeah. I've never heard the Lord go, take your time, you've got all the time in the world. No, there's always an urgency about him. So here, that was a different answer than what I wanted, but you can see the symptoms of this right now. You have ISIS. Well, where's ISIS? On the Euphrates River. Last year, they started trying to dam up the Euphrates because they wanted to shut off the water supply to Baghdad. Why? The Bible says right before the coming of the Lord, the, the Euphrates runs dry and the kings of the east come over that river. When I saw them damming up that river, I thought, oh my God, the Lord's about to come back. Come on. But you have more things that are just like the tribulation. You have Russia coming down into Crimea, going into the Ukraine. Last week, they put ICBM missiles on the border of Poland. Last night, we said we'll respond by putting Patriot missiles right there to defend uh, Europe. You have Russian tanks and Russian submarines messing with Latvia right now. That's symptoms of World War III. And I can't believe not one world leader will tell Putin you can't do this. The only one was Germany. Merkel said it seems as though he's delusional. So you see the setup for what's going to happen after we leave. Islam's come to the forefront. You talk about Islam 20 years ago, people are like, are you crazy? Islam flew planes into buildings in 9-11. So that, where, where's the origin of that religious system? Baghdad. You have, you have over in Jordan. See, the Bible says that the Jews will receive protection in Jordan during the tribulation. This last year, you had water come pouring out of the side of a mountain, out of a rock. There's no water there. There's no water supply. God already opened up a river for them instantly just last year. So you've got a water supply for them before they even get there. So all these things happening for, for, for the world, what in the world should we be doing? We should be going, man, Jesus told you, you could be living when all this happens and you could be downtrodden. He said, lift up your head. Your redemption's drawing nigh. So you can have all the signs and go, well, do I really need to hustle? No, we need to hustle. So watch what he said. Let's read a couple more. This is pretty radical. He said there'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. Colleen and I lived in California for, for about five or six years in Southern California. Move back to Tulsa. Guess how many earthquakes Tulsa had last year? Fifteen hundred and fourteen. Yeah, U.S. Geological Survey said that because they thought it was fracking, you know, with the oil. He said, you can't drill enough into the earth to get the earth to have an earthquake. So here, here you got, I mean, I watched a couple of our pictures come off the walls. I thought, I moved from California to Oklahoma. Now Oklahoma has earthquakes. So you've got nature. You've got earth, birds coming. You've got earthquakes. Brian Williams on NBC Nightly News said there were 400 earthquakes off the coast of Oregon in one day. So you've got nature getting ready for it. I mean, Aerosmith, Stephen Tyler got born again. When you start having Aerosmith getting saved, the Lord's coming back. I mean, think about it. Let me tell you, you, know, you, you want a sign? There's a sign right there. But just for a minute, I want to get into to what's happened this last couple of weeks, though, in this last year, this year. Probably the biggest thing is the blood red moons. Yeah. You know, people get all weird about, you know, ash, you know, the, the stars, the moon, all that. But the Bible's real specific, saying that the planets would be signals for us. We have signs of the coming of the Lord, but then you have signals. I mean, like when you have a sign coming, there's an intersection. But when you have a signal light flashing at you, know it's even more ready. Wake up. Something's coming up. Last year, you had blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. We know that. Okay, what happened on Passover and Tabernacles? Passover is when he died. Tabernacles is when the second coming will be. Last year, you had the heavens going, hey, I died for you. I'm coming back. This year, on Passover and Tabernacles, happening again, blood red moons. I died for you. I'm coming back. Okay? Pretty radical. I mean, the Bible says right before that great notable day of the Lord, the moon will be turned to blood and the sun will be darkened. So think about it. You've got blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. It's called a tetrad. Four in a row. When did that happen last on Passover and Tabernacles? Four in a row. 1967, 
when Jerusalem was won back? 1948, when Israel's made a nation, and 1492, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain, the Edict of Expulsion. So you got the heavens going, hey, something's happened at this time, so get ready for a change. Now, for us, what happened on those days? 48, healing revival. 67, charismatic renewal. So for the church, you've got nothing but the glory of God. But for Israel, they had a war. Last year, you had the God's War right after the blood red moon. This is how weird we all get. Now, hang with me because we're going to get into something that happened this last week. I remember last year in Grosbeck, Texas, I was praying in tongues uh, before I went to preach. I was just walking in my hotel room, just praying the Holy Ghost. I kept saying these words, uh, April to see, April to see. This was last April. Last March, I believe it was. And I kept praying out April to see. I called friends of mine. Hey, what, do you, what have you heard prophesied about April? And I know there's a blood red moon coming. I've been preaching it for years. I had a thing where I put the blood red moons up behind me, you know. So I've been preaching it. And, and the Holy Ghost going, April to see, April to see. And I'm going, okay, Lord, well, great revival in April. What's going to happen in April? So come April, Passover last year, Colleen and I are standing out in our backyard in Tulsa. And we watched that moon turn to blood. And the Lord goes, I told you you'd see in April. <laughs> see, I preach this and I still want more fireworks. <laughs> He goes, I made the moon turn red for you. What else do you need? Come on. You know what I'm saying? We get so accustomed to you're living when God's basically doing some pretty radical stuff and the the earth is oblivious to it. Okay. In between the four blood red moons, you have an eclipse. When did that happen? Yet Friday. Okay. That solar eclipse in between the blood red moons. You know what what day it was? Oh, I wish we knew more about this. I, I, I can't believe we hadn't been taught this over the years. That eclipse that happened on Friday is called Nisan 1. It's the first day of the Jewish New Year. You know when that happened last? Never. Never. Never has there been an eclipse on, on, the, on, on the New Year's Day for the religious calendar. Ever. NASA, 100,000 years, so it still hadn't showed up ever. So you got... Now, this fall, <laughs> the blood red moon on Tabernacles is called a close moon right over Jerusalem. It's the closest the, the moon ever gets to the earth. It's called a peregrine. So it's going to be right over. So God's going, hello. (laughs) There's a change coming. (laughs) I'm coming back to the planet. Because this stuff is real. This is real. We were in Jerusalem. I I guess what year it was. And uh, I'd taken a tour over there. And I'm at at the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, you see the Temple Mount. And it just preaches to you. This is where Jesus walked. I mean, it just kind of messes with your brain. And uh, one of the ladies that had her tour, she said, hey, Joe, I want you to do communion. And I forgot where the communion verses are. I was like, okay, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, now, of course, it's 1 Corinthians 11. But I was kind of freaking out going, where's communion verses? Where are communion verses? So I had an open vision. Remember, it's okay for me to have a vision. I'm a young man living in an outpouring. <laughs> Old people dream dreams. But I've been having a lot of dreams the last few years. But anyway, I look up over the Temple Mount and I see angels and demons everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, that's the most, I just knew that's the most active area of angels and demons on, on the whole planet. I'm thinking, wow. I told my buddy, he's going to be here at the next service, Tom DeMott. He's a pastor from Heidelberg. I said, Tom, I just had an open vision. I saw angels and demons right over the Temple Mount. He goes, buddy, you better come back to earth. You've got to do communion here in a second. You know how your friends keep you grounded. And so the lady that was standing there, she said there was an old prayer here named Phil Halverson. You know who Phil Halverson is. Yeah. So he, he was standing right here, had an open vision. He said, the Temple Mount there is the most active area of angels and demons on the whole planet. Now, see, what is that? So I told Tom, I said, see, I'm not crazy. Now, see, what is it? That, that's Jacob's ladder. See, that's right there. We think of some old rickety ladder, you know. We think of some old wooden ladder. No, it's, it's a whole portal where, where the unseen is going back and forth from heaven to earth. The earth has not really seen who our king is. But he's about to be represented through the church in the last days. Because all of a sudden, every, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friend, the protocol for you and I is all of a sudden we're going to go from faith to sight. The one that we've honored. The one that we've glorified. The one that 
that we've magnified, He's going to say, come up hither, come up to the throne of God, and, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. We shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Come on, and forever we'll be with the Lord. Come on. We're so near that that there should be a shout, there should be a victory. I, I have had to preach this so many years, I told the Lord, I said, man, what is it? I used to thought it was about details. He goes, no, I want my church happy. I want them expecting. I want them excited. I mean, when my daughter calls me and I see her, my, uh, Lauren calls me, I look at my phone, I get so excited. He goes, look how happy you get when you just get a phone call from her. How much more when you get to spend time with her? That's how he feels about you. You are about to go to heaven and be with him forever. Come on. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, my friend, there should be a fire. There should be a victory. There should be a joy. People should think something's wrong with you. You're so happy. Oh, we're going to see the eyes of the flame of fire, feet like unto fine brass, voice of many waters, King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, I'm I'm editing all the signs. There's sign after sign after sign after sign. All it tells you is you're living right before the coming of the Lord. So what what do we do as a church, as individuals? You lay everything aside. You do what you're supposed to do. Yes. We hustle. We, 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 Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where can I help? What do I, I'll, I'll run the parking lot. I'll, I'll trim the trees. I'll, I'll vacuum the carpet. I don't care what I have to do. I, Lord, let me be a part of what you're doing. Yes. It's an attitude adjustment knowing you're about to see the king. There's some protocol before you meet someone of high honor. And the protocol for us is we have a, a surrendered, humble heart. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We magnify you. And really, it produces so much joy that people think something's wrong with you. People should see you giddy happy where you're thumping your neighbor. Hey, the Lord's coming back. You think I'm kidding about that? Amen. Come on. So what do we do? Let's dismiss with this. Let's, Let's surrender our hearts. Let's make changes. Whatever he told you over the years, let's do it now. Why not? Why wait? You know, my thinking is how many signs do I need before I do the will of God? Really? You need more? <laughs> Come on. I mean, I can give you more, but I mean, it's like, how, well, this is it. This, let me just say this. This is it. Because it's different than what I thought it would look like. I, I'm like, I, can't, I heard about this years ago, 1970. Really, it's going to look like this? Really, God's kind of got it to where if you're not hungry, if you're not humble and receptive, you probably won't be a part of it. But thank God we're about to get a brand new body. Yeah, I am the right weight. I'm just not the right height. My, my weight would be perfect if I was about a foot taller. So this stuff's all going to get corrected, I believe, in Jesus' name. Won't that be cool? Get a brand new body, never gain weight again? Come on. If you can't shout about anything, shout about that. Come on. That's going to be fun. And let me just say this. You know, everybody goes, well, I don't want the rapture to happen because I have so much in my heart. It's because you're not done when you're raptured. It's a beginning, not an ending.